This morning is, uh, we're going to open up, we're still in Philippians, we're going to be in our last uh, sermon in this series, and I hope that it's brought you some joy, as much joy as it has brought me in my study of it. Uh, I want to open up kind of to give you an idea of what Paul was going through in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 6, or 2 Timothy, uh, I think, 1 verses 6 to 7. Uh, might have been in chapter 2. I don't remember where I, where I put this. I apologize. But in 2 Timothy, Paul talks to Timothy and he kind of gives him a broad view of this is he's imprisoned, he's chained up to a Roman guard, and he does not, I mean, just imagine being locked up to a guard constantly, all the time. And so he was having a pretty, a pretty tough time with his circumstances. But the beauty of this, even while Paul was in his imprisonment, he was still spreading the gospel. I love this quote um, by Todd that, I, that he told me when we were discussing uh, this passage. And he said... The gospel cannot be bound. No matter how hard men try to stop the gospel and to stop the good news of Jesus Christ to be spread, whether through persecution or torture or destruction, it cannot be stopped. I mean, look back to the early church when we had our series on Acts, when the Holy Spirit came and when the early church was planted and how it spread like a wildfire. Spread and spread and spread no matter how bad the persecution got. The gospel cannot be bound. And Paul's contentment is a beautiful example for us today. And our contentment, just like Paul, should not be in our circumstances, but only on Jesus Christ, who is true forever. If you want peace, we need to be constantly reminding ourselves and rejoicing And the fact that the gospel is true now, it was true then, and it's true forever. Some of the most content people that I've read about in books or online or wherever or seen in my life are those whom have humility. They put others before themselves. They're unselfish. They're kind. And they believe that God is Sovereign, They trust in His providence that He is above all things and He is in control of all things. We literally just prayed, Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Do you understand the severity of that statement? We are to trust God no matter what. Through good and through bad. I mean, many of you have been married, made vows, through sickness and in health, through rich and poor, through better and for worse. And then we think about how we are the bride of Christ. He's the groom. And we await Him to return. It's going to be glorious. And we can rest in that. Contentment is also that God takes care of our needs. And we can rest in His grace and His love for us, which He displayed perfectly in the crucifixion and the resurrection. We can rejoice and have confidence in all circumstances, due to who our Lord and Savior is. Whether we have abundance or little, we can be content in all things like Paul. 
We are to die to self and live for Christ. And that is key and evident when we trust fully and are satisfied in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a lot easier said than done. Yet, sadly, many do not have contentment because, like we talked about last week, many make our needs into wants. And we make our wants into our needs. And we want our will to be done compared to his will be done. Whether it's marriage, family, your job, your finances, your church, etc., etc., etc. We want to control all the aspects of our life. That does not lead to contentment. Rather, it leads to anger, despair, hopelessness, anger, bitterness. Because you can't control all of those things. And it's actually freeing when you give up the control and you trust fully that God is sovereign. Sovereign being that He is above all things. He is almighty. He is in control. And unfortunately, that bitterness, those things all happen because you think that you deserve everything. When a matter of fact... I don't think we want to talk about what we truly deserve. What we truly deserve is separation from God. What we truly deserve is hell. What we truly deserve is just like when Adam and Eve in the garden, they were separated from God. And what we truly deserve is death. Once again, Romans 6.23 that we talked about just a little bit ago. The wages of sin is death. That's what sin leads to. And we have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. But let's not forget the other part of that. That there's the gift. The gift of salvation only due to Christ. And the beauty of a relationship with Jesus Christ is this. And the rest of that verse. The free gift of God as eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we can be content... We can be content when we give up control, when we rest fully, and we truly have liberty and freedom in Christ, when we let go of our sin, when we let go of our control. He frees you from that. So instead of the burden of this life is so hard, I don't get what I want. This life is hard. We are to die to ourselves. Due to the life that is yet to come, we must have humility. This is a commandment by Christ. To die to yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Him. And it may be difficult, but it frees you more than anything or any person could. You experience freedom and true satisfaction and contentment when you're most satisfied in Him. Not our will, but His will. We live for Him due to what He did for our salvation and grace and our hope and our true contentment. And to have that foundation to stand firm in is only due to Christ. So please open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to be starting in verse 14. Like I said before, this will be our final uh, message on our series on Philippians. And it's kind of a part two to, to last week's main idea of contentment in Christ and being able to rest. So I want to preface our passage by saying this is all about God taking care of our needs. And I think that he's taking care of our needs more than you may think. And the Christian motive for giving 
And a great example of giving is displayed here by the Philippian church. The Philippian church, they were not a rich people. They did not have a lot of financial prosperity. They did not have much. And with what they had, they sent sacrificially to Paul. Remember Epaphroditus, who almost died to deliver these gifts to Paul. And Paul sent Epaphroditus back to the Philippian church with the letter, a.k.a. Philippians. They were worried for Epaphroditus in his health and his well-being. And Paul was like, oh no, I was worried that you were worried about Epaphroditus. And I, oh no, I was worried about you and you were worried about me and you were worried about... They, they cared and loved one another. A mutual humility for one another. It was a beautiful relationship between Paul and the Philippian church. And possibly in my uh, study, this is the best relationship that Paul had with um, a particular church. This church cared for Paul, and he cared for that church. Like I said, I care for you, no, you care for me, I care for you. The mutual humility and loving one another that was centered around their love for Christ. Paul is our example for contentment. And last week he stated in verses 11 to 13, Paul is content whether if he was abundant or if he was in need. He could continue to spread the good news no matter what because he could do all things through Christ who gave him strength. No matter what in our lives, we can stand firm knowing that God's will will be done and he is sovereign. Yet in spite of Paul being content, being strengthened by Christ and trusting in Christ's sovereignty, he thanked the Philippians for their help in sharing. He thanked them for their giving. And this church, they partnered with Paul and their generous giving. So why was this giving recorded? Why was this giving mentioned here in, in Philippians? This wasn't Paul saying, oh, you didn't give to me. You need to give to me. This is what it talks about. So Philippians 4, 14 to 18, sta- Paul stated... Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the good news, the gospel, when I left Macedonia, here's here's where I figured this out about no church was like the Philippian church to Paul. No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except only you, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. That's not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So this morning is about me taking your money. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. Anyways. Out of all the churches, the Philippian church, they gave to Paul when none of the other churches gave. And I love what Charles Spurgeon stated. Probably the gift does not come to very much, if estimated in Roman coin, but he makes a great deal of it. And sits down to write a letter of thanks, abounding in rich expressions like these. This letter... Is about joy, about contentment, about humility. And also, it is a thank you letter by Paul to the church in Philippi. He was thankful. And granted, it wasn't how much they gave, but it was the heart behind 
why they gave, that he was so glad and thankful that they gave. So the beauty of giving for you, church, is not whether it's how many zeros you put on your check. It's not about your money. But it's whether if you, you support with your time, you can support with your money. You can support with loving and encouraging and building each other up, up etc. But it's not solely this, why we give. It's not solely for the person that is receiving the gift. It's not for that. It's not for man's praise. It's not to make yourself feel good. But it is especially good for those who are giving. So we must seek God for wisdom and discernment with our giving through prayer and through reading his word. But do not let a tithe be your only amount of giving. We must be looking for ways to advance the kingdom, to be generous, to love people, whether we give them a a food gift card or or clothes or, or water or to help them out with their bills. We need to look for ways also to love people with our giving because our money is not our money. We only have money because God has allowed it. And we must have reverence and obedience and for His will to be done. Like I said, we prayed His will to to be done. Do we believe that? And this gift that they gave, the Philippian church, this gift that they gave was small to some, but it was massive to Paul. Because he knew how much that they struggled and how little that they had. With giving, I like to go back to this story. It's a story of a man, he was walking to work and he saw someone who was in need or who was in financial need. He gave that person 50 bucks, yet his account had six zeros in it. Then an elderly woman came strutting down and she was, she was older and she was struggling, but she came walking in. She saw the same person who needed financial help. And she gave that person 15 bucks when all she had in her account was 30 bucks. Who gave more? I want you to think about that. The woman gave more. Faithfulness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we must trust God to be in control of our money and our time for his will to be done and not our own so that we can truly love thy neighbor. And so alongside financial support, I love what David Guzik stated. He stated this on when Paul was trying to plant a church in Thessalonica. So that's where we get the first Thessalonians, second Thessalonians. And so he stated, while laboring to plant the church there in Thessalonica, Paul was supported partly by working with his hands. First Thessalonians 2, 9, Paul stated, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. And in 2 Thessalonians 3, 7 to 9, For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat any, anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. Partly by the contributions sent him from Philippi. Even the Thessalonians had contributed little to his maintenance. They were not like the Philippian church. This is not spoken to their credit. 
And no one gave to Paul like the church in Philippi. Enduring word commentary stated, It is not the actual gift put into Paul's hands which brought him joy, but the giving and the meaning of that giving is what was beautiful to Paul. It is the truest index to the abiding reality of his work. This reflects one of the most important principles regarding giving in the scriptures, that we are never the poor for having given. God will never be our debtor. And we can never outgive God. And we can have contentment, and we'll get to that in just a minute, as to why we can have contentment in our giving. Paul stated in our passage that this gift was like a pleasing aroma. Guzik stated that this was, this was Paul reminding us of the Old Testament sacrifices. Our giving to God's work is similar to the Old Testament sacrifices, which also cost the person a lot that they had to bring in an animal and sacrifice it. Bulls and rams did not come cheap. Ephesians 5 verse 2 uses the same terminology in reference to Jesus' sacrifice for us. Our sacrifices are likewise pleasing to God as a sweet and smelling aroma, just like in the Old Testament. So why do we give? We give out of our love to Christ, plain and simple. We give because we remember the Great Commission. We give out of our love for God, which leads to us loving other people. And I want to add that giving does not add to your salvation Oh, I heard someone once, this was years ago, they were going around bragging to, to people saying, I gave XXX amount to this church. I gave this much amount to this church. I gave this much amount to this church. Man, I must be really doing good with my relationship with God. I must be really saved now. That does not add to your salvation. Remember, when we looked at a few weeks ago, it's only because of the middleman only because of Christ Jesus. Only because He is our great high priest. And He intercedes for us as by we're saved. Christ alone. He earned that. Nor do you give to receive praise from man. As the scripture states, when you give or when you help out people, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. In Matthew 6.3, But let your motivation to be only for the glory of God. And He will see you. And that is more important. And that is more than enough for us as to why we need to give. Only for His glory. Now let's look at Paul's promise to the Philippian church in verses 19 to 20. Paul stated, And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. What does this mean? I'll tell you what this does not mean. This is not that all of your wants will be fulfilled when you trust in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. I can't tell you enough how many times, even just in high school, you go and you get this little camp high at a CIY or some youth Bible school or whatever, and people hear the gospel, and it's just like the seeds. They hear it at first, they receive it with joy, and then a bad situation happens in life, and Satan comes in and plucks out the seed. This does not mean that all your wants will be fulfilled. Bad things will happen. And if you disagree, I want to encourage you to read Job. This does not mean that Christ is your magic genie that grants your every wish. 
I remember how selfish my prayer life used to be before I truly understood what the gospel is and, and what it really means. I used to think that, oh, praying, I could pray to God, help me to score 20 points tonight and 10 rebounds. Help me to get an A- minus on this test at least. Help me to get through this. Help me to get through that. And we can give God our request. We can give God our request. But it was so selfish. We look at the Lord's Prayer. How much of the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer, is about us exalting and praising God and praying for others? That is what prayer is all about. Unselfish prayer. And so what this does mean is that you can praise God every day because your needs truly are met. Your needs truly are met. Your eternal needs are met. You see, we cannot earn our salvation. It's not based off our behavior. It's not based off how much we read the Bible. It's not based on how much we attend church. It is based off of the faithfulness and what Christ Jesus did for you. If you trust in that, how will you respond to that? And you can rejoice because your needs are taken care of for the fact that Christ died for you. An innocent man who was God, who put on flesh, lived a sinless life that we could not. We can't. I dare you to try to live without sin. It's impossible. Because of the sinful nature that we have received ever since the fall. And Jesus took the full wrath and death that we owed, and He did this, why? To display His love for you. And due to Christ alone is why we are given amazing grace. We are given grace and eternal life with Him alone. Our needs are met and fulfilled forever due to Christ. This life has suffering, but we have hope and it does not put us to shame. Needs and wants are not the same. We take so much for granted. Praise the Lord this morning for all that He has done for you and blessed you with. We can trust that God will take care of our needs. Not our wants, but our needs. And He did it perfectly through Himself. Through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus we are saved. Rejoice daily because of that. And I want to close with this quote by Jay Adams. He stated this. Love is action. Jesus displayed that love in action. Love is giving. Giving of oneself to another. And even with that statement, I'll remind you of, of once again of marriage. The wife submits to the husband. Why? Because the husband loves the wife the way that Christ loves the church. How did Christ love us? He died for us sacrificial love love is giving it is not getting as the world says today it is not feeling emotion and desire it is not something over which one has no control it is something that we do for another no one loves in the abstract love is an attitude that issues forth in something that is actually tangibly it happens Love at first is not feeling. Love first can be expressed as 
giving. That is at the core of love. If one gives, the feeling of love will follow. To love, we must give of ourselves, whether it be our time, substance, or whatever it takes to show love. Forgiving is fundamental to the biblical idea of love. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life only due to Christ. John 3.16 So we are to live as living sacrifices, being transformed by the renewing of your mind found in Romans. To live as Christ, to die as gain. We are to die to self. We are to pick up our crosses. We are to follow Christ daily through prayer, through getting in His Word, through sharing Him with not only our words to people, but also with our actions. Let's pray. God, we thank You so much for this example to learn from, from Paul's relationship with the church in Philippi. It has been a great joy to me, and this study has, has truly changed my life. I hope that it would have done the same for the people that have been with me in this, in this study of your scripture. We're so thankful to, to be able to live another day all for your glory and that you have given us this day. That you have breathed life into our lungs. You spoke us into existence. You spoke creation into existence. And you have given us grace when we don't deserve it because you are so holy and pure without sin, yet we have nothing good to offer. We are sinners. But yet you would still have grace on us due to your sacrificial love that you displayed perfectly over 2,000 years ago when you picked up that cross, when you were nailed to it, when you are pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our inequities, and by your wounds we have been healed, your blood has washed us clean and white as snow, and because of that, and three days later you rose again, and because of that, we can rejoice. We can be content. And because of our being content, because of who you are, help us to love one another. Help us to be content And to be full of love with our giving. Just like the way that Paul was and the Philippian church was with one another. In Jesus' name, amen.